Welcome to Why the Long Face, two old friends lifting the lid on mental health over a beer with author and psychiatrist Paul Keedwell and business consultant and so-called comedian Ollie Turnbull. Well, welcome to Why the Long Face. Yeah, welcome to episode five, I believe. No, episode six. Six, <laughs> six of the second season. Yeah, well done for keeping wow. count. Wow, wow. Yeah. We've got this far. We've uh, nearly made it to Christmas. Well, what comes out. The thing is, uh, the subject is today is, is the special K, of course. It's and the K-hole. And that can uh, affect your time perception. It's so uh, very I should, good. shouldn't have had so much ketamine last night. You, should, you love a bit of ket. I love a bit of K. You've disappeared down the K-hole. I did, yeah. I've only just up. emerged. Uh, but you come back smiling. Actually, I didn't take any ketamine, folks. Not last. It's not really my drug of choice. My drug of choice is a nice um, IPA. Ah, uh, you've gone yeah. on the IPA. I'm still sticking with my. With my I was going to say wife beater, but I'm just going to have a little sip of this. So anyway, we, we it's important to talk about this, isn't it? Ketamine? Yes, I think so. I mean, you you've you've talked about it a lot off mic, as they say, and so because uh, uh-huh. I, I was wondering whether it supported its own episode. I was saying, look, we we talked about yeah. um, we talked about cannabis oil, uh, kind of David Bidale, cannabis oil, that's it. Uh, and I said, isn't this just another another drug that is not part of the mainstream that could deal with mental health? But you said no, it's a special case, it needs its own episode, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think so because it is way further along the line of being approved in the UK and is already approved in the US ah, right. for the treatment of depression. But people who've not responded to two or more antidepressants, which makes up about 27% of people with depression now, who uh, are, yeah. would qualify for the definition of treatment-resistant depression. TRD. Yeah. Fail to respond to two or more adequate trials and the stress adequate trials mm. of enough dose and duration of antidepressants. So that was going to be one of my questions. I think you answered it already. And that is what is TRD and it's treatment resistant depression. And the other thing I wanted to make clear, uh, we talk about major depressive episode. Uh, so yeah. resistant depression is different from a major depressive episode. I take it. It's a major depressive episode that hasn't got better. I see. So every... Uh, it's, that's all really it's no it's no different in its characteristics than any other depression i guess it's just harder to it's treat. not it's not been shown that there are any differences really in the nature of it it's just that it's not responsive so you'd say that to every, the usual treatments so you'd say that every trd is a major depressive episode but not every major depressive episode is going to be treatment is going to be treatment resistant majority are going to be uh, are going to respond nice one um, yeah and response is carefully defined as well because that's the next question. Yeah, what do you mean is. by it doesn't respond? Exactly is that right. going to be your next one? Absolutely. I'm so sorry, man. I'm taking your job away from you Not again. at all. Well, let's just call this a monologue. Uh, and I'll just <laughs> sit here drinking <laughs> and watching you. So response is defined as a greater than 50% reduction in your depression rating score on usually the Hamilton depression rating scale. But there are other scales that are used in research. They are usually observer rated. In other words, rated by the, by the clinician. Rather than the person themselves. Well, the patient. Yeah. Can you self-administer one of those questionnaires? No, oh, no, no, by definition. Well, no, because they're not validated to do that. There are self-administered questionnaires that are very good, like the Beck Depression Inventory. Which of course, we, we have before. talked about. Parts one and two? Uh, yes, exactly. So uh, that's response. So response is not the same as remission, even. Right. right. And we should be trying to get to remission where people have no clinically obvious depressive symptoms or very, very low scores on them. 
I see. So a 50% reduction, that's a response, but it's not a remission. It's so not what, a would remission. A, what would a remission be? Or do you, do you, can you quantify that? Yeah, you can, yeah. I mean, in, well, if on, you, you can't quantify it for all scales because all scales have different sensitivities. Mm. But, for, for example, in the Beck Depression Inventory, you define it as a score of less than 15 right. on that. Okay, because the first time you said it, it was 50% reduction, which is, of course, relative to the, to the severity of the to, first. To the severity, the, yeah. The, the, the second uh, number you mentioned sounds like an absolute. Yeah, it's a cutoff. Got it. Yeah, based, okay. based on, you would hope, a decent sample size. I think that makes a load of sense. Mm. So you're saying response is proportionate to how bad you are feeling, and yet remission is a level of, of yeah. wellness. Yeah. That makes perfect sense, man. Defined on a scale, but also, importantly, should be defined in terms of your functioning. Yeah. Have you got back to work? Yeah. You know, yeah. have you? Yeah. Are you out socializing again? Yeah. Are you doing all your hobbies that you used to enjoy? Yeah, it's so funny. All those domains. Yeah. I have to confess, I had a conversation with um, a relative of mine who is suffering a little bit with depression at the moment, and um, I ah. went through all these things. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think uh, they're in a uh, they're in a better place, uh-huh. and I hopefully it's not it's not too debilitating. But I was mm. going through all these things that you taught me yeah. about agitation, about being able to not relax, loss of appetite, and the, the crucial thing I think is really useful when you're when you're trying to work out whether someone that you care for is suffering is um, loss of uh, enjoyment in things that they used to enjoy. Right, that, I think that's key. It's central. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for what because because uh, there are lots of other things that can uh, perhaps disturb your sleep or. Mm. Or make you temporarily sad, but you still got that ability to snap out of it and enjoy a good movie, or, well, what or, might... or a nice meal, or a sunset. Yeah. Whereas when you're depressed, that is that is really quite diminished and blunted. Yeah. Well, like I checked with you off off mic, um, she is still able to enjoy a um, family get together almost okay. as much as she used to. Almost. As so much. that made me yeah. feel. I felt a bit uh, like a fraud, like unqualified to to help her, but um... definitely not, man. Definitely not. As someone who's been through it yourself, you, you're very, very qualified. Well, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe that, maybe that mm. helps. Mm. But uh, it was, it was interesting. Anywho, back to special K, back to the ket. Let's yeah. go down the K. Yeah. So this drug, it sounds big and scary, and people say Hawks tranquilizer. Yeah, and like <laughs> yeah. That. And yeah. you think, well, I don't know whether yeah. that really could be have a medical consequence. Well, it's definitely used by vets. There's no yeah. doubt in it. But it's also been used in children and in uh, war zones. Is it a matter of dose? I think it's about dicks. <laughs> also, why horses? Dicks. Why are horses so... Uh, uh, the ones that come time and time again when I search? Yeah. D- donkeys? Yeah, good, good good, question, man. We need, to get a, we need to get a vet in here. Hamsters? We need a, vet, a veterinary guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please yeah. come forward. Why horses? I yes. think we'll just re-record this with a vet. Yeah, why not? With someone good. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, so I don't I, remember it featuring in, in James Herriot's <laughs> novels. James! <laughs> gets, uh, the uh, line of K. <laughs> So he's gone down. James, James. My horse has gone down. Give me the line of K. James, James, And we'll James, operate immediately. Get it off his tits. Ah, oh, my... Um, yeah, he's just had a bit of his own uh, horse tranquilizer. My secret He's having a bad day. Is, my secret is a little bit Winston, uh, Winston Churchill. Uh, remember from... Or oh, Creature's Great and Small. Mm. James, flatten it with some cat. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, that is gone back Winston. quite Winston, yeah. My, what, what, no, he was... Very limited. All I do is that's why you, Winston. <laughs> That's why you're not a primetime actor. Yeah. <laughs> and he is. Yeah. Yeah. Passed away now, sadly, Richard yeah. Hardy. But, uh, yeah, he did oh, quite a while back. So you, this is very different cannabidiol. And, and let me get this right. This is particularly for treatment-resistant depression. Yes. And um, the other thing is, uh, it's, it's presumably the doses are a lot less than it would be to knock out a horse. I don't know what the dose is to knock out a horse, but I should imagine, because horses are quite big creatures. 
Yep. Should we get an expert in? We we should, yeah. But uh, definitely the doses are less than anaesthetic doses that have been used clinically in, in kids. Right? Anaesthetic, as in to put them through? Um, well, to, to perform minor op- uh, operations, yeah, or minor procedures, or to get injured uh, soldiers off the battlefield in Vietnam. Amazingly, what it, w- it was used as a field anaesthetic in the in the Vietnam War. So I think most people know this, but just to be clear. I've read it's uh, anaesthesia. It has anaesthetic properties and analgesic properties. Yeah. Now, one of those is is which way around is it? One right. So or- analgesic analgesic is a pain reliever. Mm-hmm. So uh, a relatively lower dose, it would it would relieve pain. And in fact, it's been used as an analgesic in people with painful end-stage uh, cancers for uh-huh. quite some time in hospice care. Right. Often oral uh, ketamine. Right. That's the thing about ketamine. Pretty much doesn't matter which mode of administration you use. It, it's very versatile in that, in that respect. You can give it intravenously, you can give it orally, you can give it up the nose, you can give it sublingually, you can give it subcutaneously, you can give it intramuscularly. Wow. Give it, yeah. Love that shit. And the sorts of doses that you would be taking to get off your head. Mm-hmm. In a, in a kind of club situation or whatever. In a club situation. <laughs> in a, yeah, in a yeah. club setting. Therapeutically, it'd be about 0.5 milligrams per kilogram of weight of the individual. You're not going to be that precise when you're snorting a line so in you a, need a sort nightclub. Of, you need a sort of pound pro- and a half. But then. it's probably going to be it's probably going to be four times that, I'd say. Right. And what does it do? Is it euphoric? Is it hallucinogenic? Is it a thing that you dance? Uh, it, gives you it, this, you? it gives you this slightly out-of-body experience... Um, I suppose like a lot of um, drugs, including alcohol, it makes you less self-conscious and um, uh, uh, more disinhibitive. But at higher doses, people use it, I think, to because they like to explore the boundaries of reality and go into a bit of an hallucinatory experience. So there is hallucinations associated with it. If you take enough of it, yeah. And in fact, if you use it as an anaesthetic at a high dose, and this is the reason why it didn't really take on as an anaesthetic. It's quite common for people, to, as they become conscious again, to hallucinate and depersonalise. And oh, as they regain consciousness. Yeah, so as that's they regain. Be a bit, that's not what you want. As you, you can imagine, as it, as it starts to get cleared from your system. Because ah. yeah. the other thing I read is that it's very fast acting, and you'd imagine that would be very pretty rapid. essential with a recreational drug. Yeah. But does that mean um, people can have their symptoms of depression relieved rapidly? Yeah. That's absolutely incredible. No, I mean, that's, that's why it's created such a buzz, I guess. Yeah, uh, but it's important to say that there are lots of other ways in which you could perhaps acute very quickly relieve your depression a little bit. If you took a bit of heroin, you took a bit of cocaine, that that might do the job. But the point right. is, you need to take something which um, not only has a rapid onset of action, but has a sustained yeah. benefit and doesn't have all the adverse effects that those other drugs do. Right, um, and, and, and is that true in ket? Case? So ketamine doesn't have a sort of come down that you'd have perhaps from MDMA or cocaine, these other stimulants. I mean, I suppose ketamine would come under the category of stimulant, even though when people take it, they often feel sedated and they can, you know, be immobilised or paralysed for a bit. A friend of mine, a long time ago... A friend of mine. Yeah, no, definitely definitely not me, I okay. promise. Well, okay. But um, he was with us in uh, it was a, a night out in Shanghai, which uh, sounds <laughs> sordid straight away, doesn't it? But it he does when you say. Uh, let's say he lived a full life, right? Um, a nocturnal, nocturnal life. He's still, yeah, he's clean living now. All oh, right, good. He's completely uh, um, reformed character. I think largely because of uh, a lady he met, who's into um, 
whole foods and chakras. Um, but he used to. Um, so he he he, he, was he thought he'd be not. He was offered this wrap of uh, you know something, and he assumed it was cocaine and snorted a line of it. Turned out it was ketamine. Right. And uh, this happened when we were I don't know talking to some ladies or something, having a drink and just having a nice time, and we had no idea where he was. And uh, he spent the, the rest of the evening rooted to the spot, basically no drooling. Way. I think I'm not sure if he actually managed to pee himself, but uh, these are no. Though he was trying of overdosing on it. God, how did he? Did he? Was he conscious of what was going on? How did he feel after? Uh, he was, and he was a bit upset that he couldn't get hold of any of us. Um, right, <laughs> well, we didn't know where he was. Blimey! And we assumed. Well, I mean, we didn't. We had no idea that this has happened. Yeah. Managed to come out of it and get himself home because I think the acute effects tend to wear off after about an hour. So that was my question. So if you're um, acutely depressed, well, and chronically, you're very seriously depressed. It's treatment resistant. You take some ketamine; it makes you feel better at a at a, at a medicinal dose, not as a recreational dose. How mm. sustainable is that? Are you? Uh, yeah, it's important to say a medicinal dose is much lower. Yeah, and you're not you're you're aiming to avoid any of those kind of hallucinatory or depersonalization type mm. um, effects that some people, if they don't know they're coming, are going to find particularly un, uh, distressing. So the answer to your question is, if you're going to get any of those adverse effects, they're like, or unwanted non-therapeutic effects, they're likely to happen in the first hour and then subside. But the therapeutic effect appears to s- persist for days wow. after one single dose. And that's what's uh, exciting about it. So wow. it seems to do a kind of reboot of the brain somehow. A little bit like, you know, we talked about ECT in uh, season one. Uh, yeah. It's when you said reboot the brain. That's what made yeah. me think that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So its uh, mode of action is still unknown, but um, we think that its primary action is a blockade of NMDA receptors in the brain. These are It's a particular class of glutamate um, receptor then that has knock-on effects that we think increases the amount of activation of the brain by glutamate through a different set of receptors. With GABA as another um, neurotransmitter, as an intermediary step called GABA, uh, reduces inhibition by GABA. (laughs) Glutamate is excitatory, GABA inhibitory. Glutamate stimulates, GABA slows you down, calms you perhaps. So essentially it might be activating the brain in ways that we don't understand that help to reverse this sort of depression of the nervous system, if you like, the central nervous system. But we don't know why it's sustained, why this uh, therapeutic effect is is sustained. We we can accept that it's rapid, uh, but in most cases, when you've got an antidepressant that works quickly, it tends to uh, resolve quite quickly as, as well. Whereas in the case of ketamine, it seems to have a sustained effect in uh, a high proportion of people who take it. And we're talking about a treatment-resistant population here because Mm. it's more controversial to say, oh, well, let's just try it on anyone who's who's depressed. Um, Because, they, you know, until you've got a good evidence base there, they'll be saying, well, is that ethical when you've got these other antidepressants that we know are at least this effective? Um, It's again the ECT argument, which sounds like a barbaric treatment. But I guess when you're the person who is still suffering and can't find a cure, you you, you might try it and your clinician might advise you to try it. No, it's absolutely right. You're, you're right, because ECT, it's, it's the same sort of population that you're considering ketamine right, for. It's right. the population that you give ECT for. 
so the people that are relatively treatment resistant right um so but the this is how long you can sustain the therapeutic benefit of ketamine is is still being investigated we know from early studies that it peaks at one day i mean it's already pretty high at one hour but peaks at one day what in terms and of it's still mood pretty, change yeah mm. and it's still so we're talking about 70 percent response rate between 65 and 70 percent response rates of what and these are already resistant consistent, yeah, yeah yeah consistently shown and about a 30 percent remission rate so that is very impressive Got in it. fact even more impressive probably uh, in the world of psychiatrics, it's harder yeah. to achieve remission. Could well be that ketamine, in, in combination with other talking therapies and so on and so forth, could could actually achieve a higher level of response and remission. So a lot of these early studies showed that that benefit was then sustained for seven days, and in some cases, 14 days after one dose. It does make you think, doesn't it? When you just said um, sometimes talking therapies in combination is, is going to help. And you think if if it if it has that sort of reboot action, mm. that almost, you know, kickstart uh, and gets you into a place where you can suddenly start to... Where you're open then to other treatments. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. does kind of make sense to me. Yeah. One question I have. And uh, of course, it can <clears throat> be used alongside conventional antidepressants as well. There's no... Ah, okay. okay. Um, although a lot of the studies have uh, used a washout period where they've taking people off there as usual treatments. Hmm. Um, other studies have, have have used it alongside treatment as usual, right. which is interesting. Right. Or lo- have looked at using it um, alongside the uh, prescribing of a new antidepressant, a new course of treatment, to speed up the response to that treatment Got and it. actually increase the response rate, which early studies show it does. So the one question I have, and that is say. Uh, you've talked in the past about SSRIs, mm. selective serotonin re-inhibitor. So selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Got it. Um, and they seem to be uh, take a long time to act. But I'm sort of all getting... all, an, all conventional antidepressants do. Right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, not just SSRIs. Okay. Yeah. Um, I get the impression that maybe though, once you've got that plateau of recovery it's more sustainable or predictable than with ketamine the, the reason i'm asking this is if, mm. if ketamine is such a wonder drug why don't you use that as the first response as, a, as opposed to a more conventional antidepressant or is that the way we're going the answer is we don't know if that's where we're going because we haven't done enough research on it yet what we do know is that it causes a, a response in a large number of people uh, we know that it is not sustained though usually beyond about seven days so the new challenge is to work out ways in which we can sustain its therapeutic response right and the other important thing to say is we need enough data to be sure that it's safe um here's a question i never even considered before but because we've done a couple almost a suite uh, of these kind of podcasts on uh, you might call un- unconventional uh, cures yeah. or cures that come from uh, the narcotic world mm. um, is there anything that says there is some advantage of making use of drugs that are used recreationally mm. because they exist and have been used by humans for a while. Yeah. So there's sort of field trials, even if they are in the club setting, if yeah. you like. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. a brand new drug would have to go through. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's true, maybe. Yeah, but new, um, even if they're um, existing drugs, they still need to go through trials of oh, well, their yeah, of use course. in different settings, in different contexts, and di- for different conditions. And if you're saying that it's necessary to give 
multiple doses of ketamine to someone with TRD to maintain their improvement, which I think most people are arguing now, those that have responded, they, there's a very good chance that they'll respond to repeated doses of ketamine. The clinic in Oxford, which is, again, in a closely controlled research environment, they give an IV infusion and then they let individuals go away with a solution, which they take orally, and they take perhaps two doses every week to maintain their improvement. Mm. And they've done a lot of work on that for years now, and they've not shown any serious adverse effects. Amazing. Whereas recreationally, if people use it over and over and again uh, at higher doses... The biggest risk that's been uh, identified is a bladder irritation, which can go from irritation to quite serious fibrosis, and to the oh, point right. where it's yeah, where it's causing re- urinary retention, which is not good news. And that's not what that's not what's happened in patients. That's not what's happened at this level of prescribing. H- how long has ketamine been used in the states? I'd say um, uh, ten years. Right. Yeah. Right. So not yesterday. You know, it's been a. Few that's years. right, because the first study showing promise was in 2006 i have to say there wasn't rapid take up it probably the last five years has been used more right in, in yeah in the states mate does sound good this is what um this is what vice says right which is quite in, uh, right interesting yeah website. They say, doctors love i think it's american yeah doctors love ketamine the hallucinogenic drug that can relieve pain at lower doses i think i might want to read this out like a 1950s uh music <laughs> go for it <laughs> start again that, Doctors love ketamine, the hallucinogenic drug that can relieve pain at lower doses and function as an anesthesia. At higher ones, ketamine can also help treat suicide ideation, and some people are using it off-label for pain and treatment-resistant depression. It's an enticing medication as far as depression is concerned because it can start working in as little as 40 minutes, whereas traditional antidepressants can take weeks to kick in. But evidence of his antidepressant effects comes from anecdotes and studies involving fewer than 100 people. There has never been a large-scale clinical trial to test the safety. I'm going a bit Jewish now. To test the safety and effect of putting depressed people in the K-hole. I don't know where I'm going now, Italian-American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or even, yeah, Bronx. Yeah, uh, slightly Bronx. Uh, like Marvel Scorsese. Analysis, a little going bit a bit mob, Scorsese. A bit mob now. But yeah. Now a new analysis is offering more evidence from the wise guys. Let's, just, let's the... just go to uh, default Yorkshire. Right. Doctors Pos- love ketamine. <laughs> ketamine can also help with suicidal ideation. Yeah. The reason I read this out was about the suicidal ideation bit, because we did an episode on suicide in season one and there right. was a we, we talked about uh, well you talked about uh, when when someone has uh, um, a, a vague idea that the world will be better without them and then yeah. they have an actual plan mm. and then they have enactment different levels of, uh, of, of of intent yeah, yeah. and I'm, and also but there was this idea that if you're if you have compulsions mm. uh, you're going to act compulsively mm. and if you have a particular a bit acute you mean it, you mean if you have if you're an impulsive character yeah you're more likely to act on them yeah and i'm wondering if thoughts yeah, yeah exactly um, and does ketamine uh, you're wondering what ketamine does to that impulsivity perhaps yeah well not perhaps it, yes that's what i'm asking um i don't know if it has an in, independent effect on impulsivity what i do know is it's certainly been shown that it reduces suicidal ideation yeah within it, within the hour which is sort of what you'd expect if it's if it's having a rapid uh, effect on on mood you would have thought it would also have yeah, yeah. a direct effect on on suicidal ideation given that that tends to be secondary to mood change that does make sense that's incredible i mean so you could literally see a patient go for a period of saying i can't see a way through this doctor i really want to end it all yeah in in tens of minutes yeah. to a point where yeah. they're 
saying, hang on a minute, I'm reassessing. It's, I mean, that's almost unbelievable. I've actually seen it. I've been over to Oxford to see Rupert McShane's uh, work, and he was giving an infusion to a lady who was expressing a lot of suicidal ideas, and within minutes she was much calmer. Which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and obviously be treated with caution. But yeah, treated with caution because you're absolutely right. What they say is that most of the studies have have used less than 100 individuals in the trials. It's absolutely the case. It's only now that we have a drug that's been developed by a big pharma company called Johnson and Johnson. Oh yeah, heard of that. Which uses the S isomer of ketamine and is packaged in a, a little vial with um, a nozzle that goes up your nose. You give it yourself intranasally. Uh, is it a vapour or a powder? I think it's a powder. Up the nose? And then How extraordinary. Uh, it's uh, been shown to be um, efficacious and you know safe. So it is approved now by the FDA in America. It's a balance, isn't it, between, between what, desperately wanting to stop suffering and not wanting to experiment on your desperate patients. Because, I mean, the clinician well, is yeah. desperate in a way as well to, to help this mm. person. And I'm wondering, a lot of what you say when I've been asking you questions is mm. uh, a very honest answer, but you go, we don't know. And how mm. does that go down with patients generally? Are they, um, I suppose, maybe the more desperate they are, then the more they're willing to accept Patients appreci- Do they say, what do you mean you don't know? You're a doctor. Do you no. ever get that? Patients appreciate honesty. And yeah, it, the thoughts it, you know, and the basis of any therapeutic relationship is trust so i think if you say look we we don't know for sure um if this is going to help you but i have a a, enough there's enough evidence for me to say i think there's a good chance it'll help you yeah and i and i think this is what i recommend better to try this and not Mm. and this decision's not irreversible Mm. you know let's let's give it a try Mm. you know let's go for a trial nice I would, definitely. and that's the sort of thing you have to do. I think at the um, at the level where you're dealing at the um, the sort of edge of, of scientific knowledge, really, with people that are in extremis. I'd definitely come to you if if, uh, if I was very depressed. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely come. I'd to sort you. you out. Thanks, man. You give a very comforting uh, and honest. You're right about honesty. Actually, I, I'm sure that's what people want. Yeah. Uh, at these, yeah, like you say, extremists. Um, yeah. So I was. Reading a fabulous presentation, which was given um, at the Centre for Neuropsychiatric Genetics and Genomics in Cardiff, right. it's called "I Heart Ketamine," by an exciting, <laughs> by an exciting young consultant psychiatrist and honorary senior research fellow, Dr. Yeah. Paul Keedwell. Yeah, yeah, by the yeah. way, when when they say honorary senior, does that mean they don't have to pay you? These? Correct. Really? Yeah, they're um, getting me for free. Nice one. Yeah, got yeah, a, whole, yeah. a whole you for free. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a bargain! Yeah. So, what were the main points of that presentation? Who are you presenting to? Because I, I read it and I, I learned a lot. I was presenting about. to other psychiatrists, really. Ooh, uh, general tough, tough gig in the general general adult psychiatry community. They're all as mad as cats, you know. Oh yes, of course. Mm. Yeah, and I think the reaction was mixed. I think a lot of people are very excited by it, but a lot of people are very uh, wary of it. Be they general adult psychiatrists or professors are worried about its addictive potential. Yeah. And, you know, that you, you can't shy away from that issue. You've got to address that full on and say, yes, but there is a difference between addiction and dependency. Or rather, one needs to consider what sort of dependency you're talking about. If I give you an antidepressant that works and cures your depression and prevents you from getting depressed again, you could argue that, that you're dependent on that medication to stay well. Yeah. 
That's different from you seeking to constantly up the dose of it, getting tolerance to it, compulsively using it, Cra- craving it, craving it, mm. and so on. In the in the you know sense of of, of drug dependency mm. that most people think about. So I think it's rather meaningless to say. Ah, oh, but someone could become dependent on ketamine. That's what's happening in the states. People are going back and back for more and more of this mm-hmm. of this stuff. And I, I was thinking, well, if you had really severe depression, nothing else had worked, and this works for you, mm. and you kept going back for more, that's not totally surprising, is it? No, utterly um, rational. It, it, it does mean that you have a huge responsibility as a clinician when you start it, because the the big ethical question is when do you stop it. Or can you ever stop it? Mm. Should there be limits to your prescribing? Should you say, look, I'm going to give you this for three months. And over that three month period, we're going to establish you on more conventional antidepressants or we're going to try talking therapies. And then after that three months, it's stopped. Mm. But you can straight away see that, I mean, people are going to resist that if it's the one thing that's caused them to go into remission. And yet if you suddenly develop type 2 diabetes and therefore you need to oh you're dependent insulin. you're dependent on do you create you're dependent on, on gliclozide or metformin or yeah. whatever or it's yeah. strange isn't it but the, the, there is that are you dependent on it well it, it helps you with an illness you have so in that sense you are dependent on it so but what's the mm. big deal mm. but i did read in a couple of places the fact that uh, your tolerance to this drug can increase with use so could it be that it can even it can therapeutic you can get tolerance setting, to it yeah. right you might need more and more but what rupert mcshane has has noticed and uh, and other researchers that have embarked on longer term prescribing is that there is no tolerance no tolerance develops provided you give them the correct dose at intervals so the idea is if you give it more than twice a week that you might develop tolerance but if you give it at that sort of frequency then people don't that really so it's down right. to frequency right. and dose i think right so it's almost as if your tolerance falls off if you if you have a gap between taking the doses yeah you're probably going to be excluding at the outset people who have a history of excessive and harmful drug use you're dealing with people that are not prone to uh, misusing recreational drugs oh right and let's not forget that ketamine was not a drug of it's not like cannabis it's not like uh, psilocybin this was something that was introduced as a as a, as a medicine oh right and then was used um recreationally I th- I was from the 90s onwards i guess right Oh, that's an interesting, yeah, history. It's slightly different, isn't it? So it was, yeah, it started off, <laughs> it started off respectable, as it, uh, to, mm. to quote Mel and Kim, and then then became um, a party drug, and then it's sort of going back to respectability mm. as well. Mm. Ah, that's interesting. It's the same arc as cannabis, actually, but really. So I went through this presentation. When you say it was mixed results, did you get people coming up afterwards and and being concerned that you were punting this as a miracle drug? No, because I wasn't punting it. But I put it to you, Dr. Keedwell, that the title of the presentation was I Heart Ketamine. There's no, <laughs> there's no way around that. Mm. It wasn't I, mm. in a very measured way, quite yeah. heart ketamine. It was, and I quote, I heart ketamine. And it was a heart symbol as well. It wasn't even the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Using modern iconography. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you have to use certain techniques to get people through the door. It was very eye-catching. To compete with other... Uh, talks yeah how many did you get to your talk oh massive number did you no it was a full auditorium actually Good for you, man. it was part of a um series of talks so we don't know if they came to see my talk specifically i bet they but, did. um it was uh you know it was the wall college of psychiatry um conference in edinburgh wow we should no, do a some live, time ago, we should do a live show 
We should, man. We should. We should do a live show. I'd love that. On ketamine? That would be hilarious. Mm. legal. Mm. Uh, yeah, that would be quite good. It would, I remember... Um, um, it wouldn't Professor, be illegal either. Actually. What? I remember Dr. Uh, uh, Robert Winston. Is he a lord now? Uh, Lord Winston, yeah. Lord Winston. He did a. He's a. He was a great pioneer of conception outside the womb, wasn't he? I don't know mm-hmm. if that's the right expression. Sounds anyway. Test your mm-hmm. babies. That's good. Cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he did a, <laughs> a televised experiment where he got drunk. Uh, God bless oh, him. Yeah, I remember awesome. That. Yeah. I don't, he didn't have that much. Yeah. Uh, but he just sort of wandered off and got jolly. What is good TV, isn't it? Michael Mosley as well took um, some psilocybin, didn't he, for that did he? trial? Yeah. Oh. And an M- and MDMA, I think. I think occasion. we'd be scared to in, in the research context. No, I think I'd be. I, I suppose we've got to go into a little bit more about how it works. If anyone wants to say to you, they know exactly how ketamine works. They're probably lying. Right, got you. But is it? A, it's a different mechanism completely from other antidepressants. It sounds like from what you're saying. We think so. Yeah, it's hitting at least initially. It's hitting different receptors, uh, MDMA receptors, glutamate receptors. You got anything else? Or should we go about a recap? See if I see if I can tell you what I've learnt. Absolutely, can do a recap. I think I might get some of this wrong. All right, so dive in, as mm-hmm. I'm sure you will. So, special K, ket, K hole. Mm. Uh, it's it, it can be a hallucinogenic street drug, although it started off as not a not a, not a street drug, both as an analgesic and an anaesthetic. Correct. Settings such as the battlefield, Vietnam, to help yeah. uh, poor soldiers with terrible injuries get off the mm. battlefield in less mm-hmm. pain than they would have. Mm-hmm. But hey, it has been shown. Yeah, uh, in enough numbers to make it a legal medical drug in mm. America that it can treat TRD. TRD treatment resistant. TRD treatment resistant depression, yeah. and that is not so much the severity of depression, or it tends to be a major depressive episode, mm. but more to do with the fact that at least two medical treatments have been tried, or drug treatments have been tried, and mm. both have lacked success. Mm. What does success mean? It means a reduction in uh, a re- a, in, in terms of um, reaction is a 50% reduction in um, symptoms as measured on some kind of scale delivered by the clinician, not the patient. Correct. Uh, and indeed remission, which is a certain level, a low level scored on one of those scales. Mm. And that's what's exciting. Mm. Other things that are exciting about it appear to be uh, lack of long-term side effects and the fact that it acts incredibly quickly. Yeah. Uh, within 40 minutes in some cases, mm. and you've seen it with your own two eyes mm. and the other thing is that although one needs to be mindful of the fact that you could develop a dependency if your mm. dose frequency is controlled that becomes less of an issue yeah mostly people are becoming dependent on ketamine in the same way they might become dependent on any other drug that helps them right in other words they're taking it regularly but at the same dose and is that a dependency yes but it's not based on increasing your tolerance it's to it. not a physical based on it doing something good for to you, help you for god's yeah. sake yeah i got it Takeaway messages. Ketamine is exciting. It could help people with treatment-resistant depression, but it's not yet frontline treatment for depression. You're not going to be able to go down to your doctor and get it because we're still getting more data all the time on it to make sure that people are going to respond well to it. Just two more questions to finish up. One, would you, as a shrink, would you um, prescribe Ket before ECT? And don't say it depends, because you always say that. It uh, really I'm afraid it my... does, though. You're such a <laughs> I'm afraid it does. It depends. What kind of doctor are you? I could say that. <laughs> I could sit there in front of a patient and go, mm, well, yeah. Yeah, it depends. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, I, would, job. I would regard both as fairly far down the decision tree. Mm. But that's a really interesting question. And in fact, it may not be either or. Some people are using ketamine as an anaesthetic 
during ECT treatment to improve response rates to ECT. So watch this space, basically. We just need more research to be done. I think some people might feel uncomfortable with the fact that some of the things you say sound like experimentation, you know, trial and error. And I think people shouldn't be uncomfortable about that. Because that's the answer you just said. It Well, not everybody responds well to existing treatments across medicine. And, And of course, the brain is so complex that it's more likely to be unpredictable. Yeah, so is the heart, so is the, so are the lungs. It's perhaps scarier because we're, we're, we're uh, experimenting, as you will, uh, if you will, on the brain. Mm. But we need to. And in fact, we need more money to do it. We need much bigger studies. Yeah. By the way, have I told you about my asthma digital project I'm doing, which captures the data from thousands of uh, asthma sufferers from the point of them applying medication mm. so that analysis can be done on the data as to how effective their preventive medication is wow. as opposed to their... Um, non-preventive i can't remember what the word is right right it's that internet of things project i'm working on oh right finally an interesting project after 32 years in it that sounds really fascinating is is this a side hustle no no it's part of my i wish i had a side hustle (laughs) i'd love to have a and this is our side hustle we've got a side hustle this is it right it's not paying but it's a side hustle right it's It's a side hustle of your company no no yeah yeah well it's it no it's not even it's a it's a mainstream hustle (laughs) It's, it's a mainstream, mainstream hustle. hustle. You're getting employed, you're getting yeah. paid good money to do it. Excellent money to help, <laughs> to help people. No, I, I, I'm very compassionate and would love to help people as long as I get a large slice of coin. <laughs> no, it is a, yeah, it's a data platform. So we're collecting um, every puff that people have on their inhalers mm. and then we have that data. No, I think in, I think the internet of things is going to be fascinating and very useful. I think for psychiatry, it's very useful to have activity data. Mm. Because uh, uh, that's a great objective measure, actually, of depression, if you think about it. What is? Um, how active you are at night, how active you are during the day. Oh, Fantastic objective measures of, is it? of your effect. Yeah, because if you think about it, if you're not sleeping well, you're going to be more active than uh, normal at night. Yeah. And uh, you're going to be less active during the day. And so, so easy with just an, just an Apple Watch. Mm. Uh, to do that. Mm. Hey, so digital is, technology is really going to help us I think, going forward this yeah. is another app my friend oh yeah it probably is yeah. yeah because it's something I know about finally so anyway take home message on ketamine is it's showing exciting potential in the management of treatment resistant depression and in acute management of suicidal thoughts and behaviours even so use is likely to expand there may then be a backlash because of the connotations that ketamine has but I think that would be unfair. But more research needs to be done, and we need people to donate, actually, their money for such research. But anyway, we should end there. Uh, yeah, that was a good summary of my summary, actually. Um, and we should talk about our social meds. Yes, YTLF. YTLF, but you've got to spell out the W-H-Y. So W-H-Y-T-L-F, YTLF. That's our Facebook handle, it's our Twitter handle, it's our Instagram handle, but you said we're going to make it better. It's also our website. And our, it's also our website, ytlf.com, our email address, hi, at ytlf.com. We would love to hear from you cats. Yeah, and please do rate us on whichever podcast platform you use. Which is Spotify or iTunes or SoundCloud. Very good or excellent, we don't mind which. No, no, we're not fussy, but we are a bit needy. Yeah. All right, so see you next time. See ya. Bye.